0: To talk about youth culture and youth marketing and ignore influencers and influencer marketing and social creator content would be silly. So I wanted to find some nice people to talk to the growth of their business and the growth of the wider influencer marketing industry. And I've known James Hancock and Mark Walker for a few years. They, in some ways by accident, they're both traditional talent agencies set up free focus They've got some big name talent and free focus are, depending on how you count it, about the third or fourth biggest influencer marketing or digital talent business from an agent point of view in the UK. They're incredible blokes. The reason why I'm saying how good they are is because they're far, far, far too modest to say that themselves. Have a listen, see what you think. We discuss how they met, how they set up the business the relationships with their key talent and then we ask them for some key learnings that they've learned over the few years they've been doing this and we ask them for their Rocket Fuel So two guests in this week's edition of Rocket Fuel so Mark Walker and James Hancock thank you so much for doing oh, this Thank you for edition. having us for having us So First section is to kind of get to know you guys a little bit better. In full disclosure, I do know you relatively well. We've spoken about various business back and forth things over the years. James, let's start with you. How would you bring to life your journey? How have you ended up doing what you're doing now?
1: Um, So slightly... Well, odd start when I was in hospitality, kind of working in various places around the world, Um, so very much still working with with people and managing, Um, but after a while got totally fed up of it and stumbled into the world of talent management, but more on a traditional side with TV, radio, sports management kind of basically did my education at um an agency there and then about 7 years ago stumbled across what was then I suppose, YouTubers, and that kind of opened my eyes to that whole world, and then it's just kind of flown past now the last seven years.
2: And
0: and Mark, in parallel, in the background, you were working in promotion, is not it?
2: Yeah, in the the music industry, so um, I started out as a promoter in local venues in in York and in Cardiff, and then moved down to London to work for the um, juggernaut that is Live Nation, Um, left there and and followed the, the former MD over to Kilimanjaro Live, where I was promoting concerts for the best part of 12 years. Um, But six, seven years ago, I got involved with Summer in the City, the YouTube convention. Um, And that's when I started to cross paths with James, as well as seeing this whole world of talent on stage that didn't have anyone managing them, weren't touring, and but had this huge huge following, so um, I started doing some tours with some of the talent that James and and his business partner Andy Hipkiss at AAA were were managing, and um, eventually we started co managing some acts, and it kind of just organically became Free Focus.
0: How and soon after you met did you know you were going to work together?
2: Uh, well, I'd <laughs> known Andy for a, for a bit yeah. longer than than I'd known James, but um, yeah, just it all happened organically. We started working on Beth and Ledley together. I was taking care of the. Um, the live touring and and getting her in the studio and and putting music out and and James was getting her on
1: TV presenting gigs. I think one of the key things we both had a level of patience that you need with talent (laughs) um, because they can be quite frustrating at times when you but also genius um, and I think we kind of complemented each other quite well that we had the calm heads when potentially others were losing it when people were doing certain things so i think it kind of we, we naturally complemented each other um and also Power of northerners living in london yeah finding sure. a new area of business to work in.
0: <laughs> and you're growing the business you're employing people is there a commonality between the, the sort of the behavior patterns of the sort of people you want to work with is there is there one trait that you look for when you think yeah i can work with this person
1: yeah i think someone told me a long time ago quite cheesily but the the thing that i always follow is work hard and be nice to people um and whatever we do whether it's what talent we choose to work with or what staff we want to employ that's something that i think is really important to us potentially we've turned down talent that could be very lucrative or go on to do great things but the personality there wasn't a the match in the personalities and we always want to make sure i suppose we're doing things the right way yeah Um it's works well so far so yeah i think because we both come from
2: traditional backgrounds i guess one of our pitches for want of a better phrase is we always see ourselves as whereas other agencies in this space have maybe come from more back- marketing backgrounds or pr backgrounds because me and james very much talent first the the numbers aren't as relevant to us yes if you've got big numbers you can get big brand deals and it pays the bills and then you can afford to do the things that we find a lot more fun and and enjoyable and creative so whether it's recording albums or writing books or coming up with new business entities or, or anything like that i think that's where me and james clicked is we both share that same kind of passion and drive to do stuff in the more traditional space i guess
0: how good are you both at switching off mark let's start with you (laughs) (laughs) i've
2: I've got a wife who works in the music industry as well so it 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 used to be that she was telling me off for being on my phone all the time now the roles have reversed a little bit as her career progresses but um I, i do make sure i go on holidays and i try and take weekends when i can but i guess the the concert promoter in me is used to being out on weekends and evenings and kind of not switching off. And when you're managing talent, you've, you've got to be available 24-7 as well. If there's an emergency at midnight, you've got to deal with it. Sure.
0: James, are you checking your emails when you're on holiday? Be honest now.
1: So I think one thing I'm very fortunate is very few things kind of get to me that much. And... Um, Part of the... He is the Ice Man. I miss the chill <laughs> all the time. But part of it is obviously part of the job is to to keep an eye on emails. You are on holiday, but you're also I've had plenty of, of holidays where I've spent hours of, of of days on on the phone, walking by a pool or wherever it is. But I I think again I'm fortunate enough that I can instantly switch off most of the time um, we've got a really good team as well so we know when we're not in the office that someone's picking up the
2: emails and dealing with things and if there's a real emergency they'll they'll get hold of us they know how to get hold of us and i think that that comes back to your question about finding the right people to bring yeah. in it's it's not just the the talent and their personalities the, the people we've got working for us so the, this um this year we we took a leap of faith in ourselves we're still a relatively new company we're only in our third year at the moment. Um, But we made the decision earlier this year that the best way for us to expand was to build the roster. But we didn't want to take on so many clients that between myself and James, we couldn't give them the attention they deserve and need. So the logical step was to bring in another manager. And we we didn't rush the process. We we went out and found someone that um, had... Had plenty of experience, but hadn't necessarily had their own roster, so to speak. They were working for someone and as a, a day-to-day manager, effectively. And we said to them, "Come and start afresh. No, no, you don't. Not bring any clients with you. Just here's a clean slate. Here's the tools, and we'll back you." And and she's been great and settled in well and, and taken on seven clients this year. So. Wow!
0: And so in the marketplace, and we're going to come and get into lift the bonnet up on free focus in a second, mm-hmm. but just. What do you think you're known for as individuals, and what do you think Free Focus is known for?
1: Um, I think trust is a massive part of a manager talent relationship, not just in this space, but in every walk of life. And I'd like to think most of our, well, I'd, I'd say pretty much all our talents, if if anyone asks them, what the key things that we we offer is we're really trustworthy. We have a strong personal relationship work hard so I think that's probably like key yeah I think, key we, for us. I think
2: we're both quite modest I'm trying not to blow too much smoke up our own arses but we, <laughs> I think we always f- like to think that we're boutique but still big at the same time in yep. terms of what we can do for people so we'd like to think we've developed a relationship of being the nice guys that aren't screwing people over um, treat people as we expect to be treated and I think that's paid off our, our roster grows because probably 80% of our talent are recommended to us by the talent we already manage and that word of mouth and and as things grow and we go out to more events and and whatever, we we think that keeps going. uh,
1: Because it's still such a new industry in the grand kind of scheme of things, transparency is a massive thing, whether that's with talent being transparent to the audiences, managers being transparent to talent, brands, marketing companies, that transparency it's not necessarily there with a lot of companies or or in different places and that's again something we make sure the talent we are transparent with them every contract they see they understand it we go through it there's no hidden fees everything like that it's about that again that trust that transparency with talent yeah uh, i think when when we came into the
2: business um There was great companies already there, obviously, like Gleam and Flipside, well-known, well-respected, good reputation. But a lot of talent beyond that were being managed by multi-channel networks instead. And there was a very much a lack of transparency there with how much was the deal actually for versus how much was ending up in the Talents Bank account. And um when when we first started free focus we were working closely with the guys at summer in the city and and they're youtubers themselves so mm-hmm. we we got they gave us some very valuable insight that kind of helped shape where what our ethos was and where we were going in terms of making sure talent knew they could trust us and open book accounting and all the rest of it so
0: trust and transparency in mm-hmm. those transparent invoices as well I get it. So the second section of our Rocket Fuel podcast, I'm still here with Mark and James from Free Focus, is to lift the bonnet up a bit and get under the skin and understand the business, Free Focus. So it's a talent management business. You're both from traditional talent management backgrounds. Mm-hmm. One, one thing, let me, let me start with a big negative. How, how safe are you? Should you be innovating more what you are you applying traditional methods to a non-traditional space? James, let's start with you first.
1: A bit of everything. Um, one thing that me and Mark, when we're looking at reviewing our business, it's making sure we're not reliant on one revenue stream. Obviously all the revenue comes through the talent, but within each talent, can we diversify their revenue? Whether obviously the, the brand deal side of things is a massive part and will always be a massive part hopefully um but it is about looking at the different areas for example the book world the film world the live music radio tv there's a there's so many revenue streams um and it's about i suppose us unlocking them with each individual talent because they can't do all of them they're not always that interested in them um but that's probably the exciting thing for us is yeah, trying to yeah, we're not we're not them. just future proofing the business we're future proofing them as talent as well so
2: one of our first conversations before we decide if we're taking someone on is where do you want to be in the next five years and it can what in your wildest dreams do you do you want to be the next graham norton do you want to be the next justin bieber what what do you want to be and it, maybe they they want to just carry on doing YouTube and things, but then we look at what are the other revenue sources they can have so that if if Google's flicked a switch and turned YouTube off tomorrow, they still have a career beyond that as well. They're not just reliant on the one platform.
0: And in this talent talent management space, we've already alluded to the fact that there are new talent managers cropping up, there are new business models in this space. Mm-hmm. How much time do you spend looking at the competition? Do you know... Gleams roster for example
2: um, um, I think it's not so much going around and looking at them it's more we're at a lot of the same events as them yeah. a lot of our guys are working campaigns that their guys are working on so there's, you kind of cross over a lot we, we always feel like we get on with everyone mm. we see them mm-hmm. out at, at VidCons and playlists and, and some are in the cities and things. and do
0: you think about the point of difference that
1: you offer to talent for me it's moving in a slightly murky way whereas i put us very much in the talent management space with a handful of other companies yes there's new ones popping up some probably more lone wolves so to speak coming through that's great the one thing that i'm interested to see where it goes is some platforms marketing agencies other people suddenly popping up with management arms in inverted commerce yeah taking or signing up loads of talents to these deals based on insights alone on platforms but then they're not actually managing, what are they bringing to them? Are they just here's a brand deal via our platform that you can
0: so, do? So again, talking from a traditional management perspective, you're talking about separating an agent from a, from a manager perspective.
2: Yeah, and I think this is where, like James said, it gets a little bit murky because if if you're a musician and you've come from the traditional music route, you'll generally have your your manager, who manages your whole career, overarches everything, but with your manager you'll then build a team around you, right? so you'll have your, your live booking agent for touring, you'll have your record label, you'll have your PR. Um, if you are doing books, you'll then bring in a literary agent. And that's the kind of model we put in place with all our guys. And it's it's building a bespoke team around them of the right people who are experts in the right areas. Like, yes, we can go and do a book deal ourselves, but if someone's living and breathing that 24 seven and they can get a lot better deal because they know all the people to speak to, they know the precedent in all the contracts, effectively that pie gets bigger anyway for the talent. So even though someone else is taking a commission, the business itself is growing and, and they're being more freed up to be creative. But also, um so I guess there's two sides that are getting slightly murky within it, which is there's there's the talent agencies that try and just do everything in-house and won't outsource, literally want to keep everything in one place. And then there's also the traditional like touring agents, I guess the WMEs, the CAAs, the UTAs that in the us are quite a lot further ahead than they necessarily are over here there's there's, there's exceptions to that rule obviously as they grow but a musician would be signed with wme for touring they wouldn't necessarily be signed with them as their overarching management option and i don't sure. think wme would claim to be a manager but often on the digital side it feels like they, they probably are more hands-on than than they would be with a music client in that respect so.
0: oh i'm interested in this this management talent dynamic so Mm. a couple more questions on that for the second when your talent are in the pub talking to their friends to other talent do you think they say i'm managed by free focus or do you think they say i'm managed by mark or i'm managed by james
2: it varies doesn't it from talent to talent and what do you think that
0: says what do you think that means yeah
1: Yeah, it's it is a mix because some of uh, there's some people i've been working with now six seven years pre free focus focus when i was at another company so that's kind of transcended a company name that is more of a personal a personal touch but that takes time yeah that trust experience that partnership takes years i don't think you can just say a month or two you're where someone is where you would be in over multiple years um but on the other on the other side, I think the more we grow, hopefully, it's someone says free focus. They straight away think, oh, they're good guys. I know this person, this person, this person. Yeah, is represented by them. And I, again, that takes time. Yeah,
2: our structure is that each each of our talent has a set manager, and whether that's me, James, or L, who they know is their go to point person. But they also know that when they come in for meetings with us, other members of the team will be there. Georgina might be dealing with them on delivery of a brand deal or or something else so they're they're very aware we work collaboratively as a team and if if work comes in for one it might make sense to bring another in etc but they do know they've got that one point person who's probably developing more of a personal relationship with them as well as as they grow Mm -hmm. but again each talent's different so some some talent we have who want to be messaging you all night with personal things Mm -hmm. and talking about where they're going with stuff and can I help them with this can I help with that others are a lot more kind of hands on themselves with their own managing of their businesses and literally just want us to mm. take
1: care of certain things. You know? It would be interesting to hear what they're saying in the pub though. About this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you ever, do you rank yourselves, do you put yourselves, I don't know, Gleam 1, W. do, do,
1: do, you, do you see what I mean? Is there a, <laughs> yeah, is there a management I, league table? And
0: I is like that mean you know,
2: yeah, Just below the Gleam, I guess. It's
1: interesting yeah. because it depends what what you're judging everything on. Yeah. If you're talking pure business finance there's clearly other companies that are bigger than us if you're talking volume of talent again there's companies that are bigger than smaller than us but if we kind of go on I would suggest more achievement based so we've got certain things that we've done we've got best-selling authors we've got a number one record in the UK we've got the uh, kind of we've, we've had talent on every major TV broadcaster in the UK, mm-hmm. radio
2: station. So for us, got books released in thirty plus languages, etc. Yeah, so, so yeah. it's and again, it, it, I guess because of our backgrounds, it comes back to we we seem to judge those achievements on the traditional side of things. I guess more mm-hmm. than just how much money have they made this year. So, so
0: that's interesting. So it's about your key performance indicators. To use that awful business turn of phrase, mm-hmm. is about the things that you've worked on together with the talent and the successes that. Yeah, and don't
2: get us wrong. Obviously the. the you wouldn't be in business if you weren't making money, so the, the finances
1: is hugely important. But it's, it's not what we get out of bed for. Especially. And also on that, I think with believers, because we're on we're going talent first rather than insights numbers first, that we feel the money long term will flow. Yeah. So we're investing a lot more time now in probably development talent that don't necessarily have the numbers, but they have the long term potential to absolutely smash the kind of the financial side of things
2: and as we grow as well it means we've we're able to reinvest some of our profits and support our talent with projects so it might be they come to us with this amazing idea that they can't afford to just get on and do themselves and it can be twofold it can be purely they don't have the financial financial resources to do it themselves so they they look to us to work with them and and invest in that project or it might be the business know-how they know how to do the creative side of it but not the um not the
1: business side. I think we dodged your question there, didn't we? That's <laughs> fine. If you, I was going to say, why
0: don't we come out of the free focus woods for uh, for weeds for half a second? We'll come back into them for the benefit of the listener. Who are your biggest talent? Who are the who are the names you'd love them?
1: You love to shout about. So again, it's quite. It depends, kind of what. How many what
2: on the roster? Judging? We love them all uh, equally. Fine. Yeah. How um, many on I the think, roster? <laughs> so between the five of us working at the company, there's 23 on the roster. Okay.
0: So. And they're all doing different things. Is there a commonality between the talent? The, that you The are
2: commonality with? is they've all come from the digital space, whether right. that's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever else in that space. That, that's where we discovered them. That's that's where we found that. That's what sets us aside from the more traditional music managers and TV agents and things in that
0: respect. And when you're working with the talent, what's the best thing that you've helped them to say no to? And give us an example of of things where <laughs> you've helped a talent and you've said you so shouldn't do this i'm um, also if you, there's an example of where they've gone ahead anyway, i'd love yeah. that but i bet
2: you're not going to uh, give me usually that, so. that it's actually more censoring them in not not censoring so i would never say what they can and can't say but advising them on because they're on such an open platform yeah. and people they speak so openly all the time it's ensuring they've kind of thinking about the consequences sometimes of things that before so you've they, sent that text message that says for god's sake take that tweet
0: down yeah or, or given yeah. them a
2: call and said are you sure that was a good no no they say take that down are you sure that was a good idea okay. i tend to more ask them what they think about it when they've had time to kind
1: of <laughs> <laughs> flipping it and showing what what is someone else what someone else's point of view on on what you've put out how what are you how is that affecting things so
0: give us an example james of some of these great exciting projects you've been working on and that are uh, are just about to be or have just launched?
1: So one of um, uh, the, the guys we work with is an amazing talent called um, Lucy Earl, who's one of the biggest English language channels globally. I think she's just about to hit 3 million followers. Um, and for the last couple of years, we've been developing um, ultimately a, a platform for her to launch her own language courses. Now, part of what she's been doing Um, Over the last few years is promoting other people's so there's been plenty of times where we've probably had to Pass on opportunities because we knew this was coming so obviously Um, We'll we'll see where it goes, but that's one that's quite exciting.
0: So this is an example of you, Free Focus, having a vision to be more disruptive than just say yes to a publishing deal, say yes to a partnership. This is actually an education programme to help
1: teach the English language. Yeah, well, it's been amazing the feedback that Lucy's had and how many how many people's lives she's actually changed. Yeah. Um and it's about it's not just probably the the words turn left a around about past the post office type of thing. It's about the, the pronunciation and, and kind of really helping people around the world. And she thought, can I actually take a little bit more control and pushing other people's courses? Can I do can I take the feedback and, and we do our do our own um and hopefully Um, she'll be able to again kind of like push what she's doing even more in a more kind of like constructive way with this course
2: yeah so we've effectively supported her with helping us set that business up partnering with her to make it happen so she can focus on the actual writing of the course being creative Um, and and we were able to look at what we'd seen her do promoting other people's courses in the past plus what her platform level is at. She's just shy of 3 million subscribers on YouTube and do some some maths in terms of what we think the return on an investment will be and there. this and will it's... be
0: a brand new business mm-hmm. venture and a free focus shareholders in that new business venture. How does that work?
1: Yeah, so on again, it's very much case by case, mm. but this was an opportunity with Epiphany Language Studio, which is ultimately Lucy's new business rather than it being the Lucy, Angle, Lucy yeah. Earl Cup course or whatever it was can we create ultimately a a product or a company that lucy owns she she controls we have a small stake in that um to help kind of guide the business hopefully longer term um and that was quite exciting that hopefully that can kind of transcend her brand
0: yeah and this is the sort of work where you see this space going where you see creators going or where you see good yeah, talent i don't management think it's
2: necessarily a new going. thing obviously what lucy's doing is quite unique to her but i'm we there's been plenty of um other managers investing in businesses with talent from this space and, and building whether it's merchandise companies together or or other arms of their businesses and things so it's not it's not that we claim to be new and innovative in that respect but what we are pleased to be able to do is sit down with each talent on a case-by-case basis so we've got others that next year are going to be releasing new music so can we support them in that if they're brand new to that we can use our knowledge we've already had albums out number one singles etc so can we use our skill set in that space but also support them financially a little bit if they need it to to get new music out and get things moving because we believe in them in that
0: do you think your talent are aware of the impact they have on their audience some are some aren't yes yeah,
1: basically <laughs> very very mixed and um, so one one kind of campaign that we worked really hard on was around the general election encouraging young people to vote um and i'm i think forgive me if this the facts are slightly off but i think it was maybe three times more young people have been registered to vote for this election than they were previously and we saw with the talent directly pushing young people to engage initially in the topics. What is important to them? Is it the environment? Is it the NHS? And then kind of driving the message to register to vote. You could see the impact that the talent were having on the community. And I think a lot of them that didn't realise before now do because of that. Can I ask a question?
0: Very subjective around the general election. So you were working on that. Do you think... The, was that a
1: paid-for campaign? So this one was, but a little bit more context to it. So um, a former client of mine, a great guy called Michael Sarni, runs a company called Verto. And over the last probably 10 years, his sole purpose of what he was doing was to engage young people just generally. And for the last couple of years, most of our guys have basically worked for free on it, yeah. Um, pushed the, this messaging for no kind of return themselves, um, and this is the first time that I'm not entirely sure where the funding f- kind of flowed from. Potentially was from the government, but where they're pushing the message to register to vote on buses, radio, TV, they've actually dedicated budget to influence marketing.
0: Were you approached by any
1: political parties around the general election? Uh, no. You weren't no okay that's interesting so this was solely at well this is a non-for-profit yeah um company okay. that everything just flowed through interesting
0: okay so they're aware some are aware of their power some aren't let's go back into brand partnerships what makes a good brand partnership
1: a <laughs> great product okay um great product creative freedom um i had a conversation kind of the other week with with someone about this i think from our side what makes it great is if the brand or the agency or whoever it is they actually know what they want the results to be and then from that we can actually work with the talent and everyone to try and hit those results if it's really open like well we don't really know what success is for us then I don't necessarily think it works as well. Mark, have things got better
0: as time has gone on? In the last six, seven years, uh, is it six or seven years free focus has been around? Well, we've or been going should? four years, four, but we've both five.
2: been in this space for, for six or seven years. So, and it, it's, it's definitely evolved. Um, I don't know if better is the right word. Huh. It changes and in the same way. Different management companies are popping up. Different marketing agencies are popping up and things. But I think the, the understanding of what, influencers or digital talent do is is a lot clearer now um we tend to find we're getting a lot more long-term partnerships now which which we obviously like because it's it's not then having to get the talent to work with 50 different brands a year there may be two or three that they're really passionate about believing and it pays well so we get the best of both worlds and they can work with them on a campaign so whether that's a, a one-year partnership with a body shop or Um, various other ones we've done obviously we've as we've grown as a company and and got our reputation as well we get more and more agencies coming to us now saying we've got a pot of money you've got lots of talent can we just work with you on this and can you put us together a campaign with with x number of your guys that are going to hit like james said these targets for us and that's quite nice because it shows i think that not just the industry's growing, but we're getting that kind of respect from people. They know they can come to us and trust us to put them a full campaign together, and not have to go and shop around to loads of different people.
0: So, Mark, let's stay with you just for this next question. If we started a long time ago in an age of the Wild West, mm-hmm. we then sort of moved into a, an age of naked commercialism, and every <laughs> kind of everybody was money grabbing. What age are we in now for influencer marketing? To give it that old, <laughs> it a still feels
2: like the Wild West. And- Sometimes, doesn't it? And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I think we're in an age where the UK is catching up with America a lot more than it was. We're still we're still a good couple of years behind them, I think, in terms of how developed things are over there. We, you only have to go to to VidCon in in LA and just see the kind of difference there between not just not just the talent that are there, but the more so the the industry side of it. Like the industry side there is so huge compared to what it is in the UK at the moment Um, the age of evolution shall we say that okay
0: (laughs) and what's next for free focus
1: hopefully growth okay Um, we've plans obviously to grow the kind of the staff the team Um, we're certainly not going to be changing the ethos along the way and in terms of suddenly there's going to be 30 new talent kind of signed up in the next few months and 20 new staff it's not going to be that we're always kind of being measured kind of growth um but yeah hopefully more diverse talent doing different things um and kind of making sure they all push us out of our comfort zone sometimes yeah i
2: think we've got some really exciting projects come up next year like like the um the language course um with lucy um Noah's got new music he's working on that we've really kind of pushed and encouraged him to do because he he literally self-released a song recorded in his bedroom that's had over a million streams on Spotify and yet we were there kind of going, do you want to do some more music? So we've actually sat down with him and come up with a plan for the next 18 months of how to chart his music career alongside what he's doing as an influencer. So I think we'll see more talent development. That's obviously key, but I think the the experiment in in 2019... seems weird to call it an experiment. but bringing Elle in as a new manager and giving her the platform to start developing her own roster, we've seen her kind of perform above and beyond what we expected in in those first seven or eight months. And are you
0: tempted to open offices abroad, or is that not on the plan?
2: Um like to one day as much as i'd already kind of earmarked venice canals as a nice place to <laughs> go and live myself but um yeah. step step by step i guess like i say we're, we're four years in now we're not going to run before we can work yeah. but we've definitely seen continual growth year on year that that gives us the, the kind of excitement to keep building on that i think
1: it'd be interesting um the, the obvious one is you think you think kind of the english-speaking territories kind of australia america but the other interesting ones are going to be, for example, the Middle East or, or Asia, and are there opportunities there? Um, the key thing is, you have, from a management point of view, you have to be on the ground there. You have to actually spend time with talent. Yeah. So that's where, um, yeah, w- we will see, hopefully.
0: And what mistakes have Free Focus made over the years?
2: Um, I wouldn't say necessarily mistakes, but James and I were both early to mid-30s, so this is our first venture into actually running a business and we've we've got some great partners and and people we look up to who've helped us build that but we've also learned a lot ourselves as we've gone along about how to not just start up a business but grow a business and develop it and yeah there's, there's definitely been lessons along the way in terms of trusting people and um and making those decisions but I think Four years in, seeing the growth we've got now, we, we kind of know where we're going and, and what direction we want to take. And, and and also we know our value to the company as, as individuals, because especially talent management, if it's those relationships with the talent are the, the most important things. If you don't have the talent, you don't have the business. And if if the business didn't have me and James and the, and the other managers, there would be no business either. So so,
0: so this is a really interesting point And this is perhaps where we'll end the section on free focus on. I've got a silly numbers question, but we don't have to look at it like that. I was going to say, if there was a percentage, what percentage are you entrepreneurs? What percentage are you social media people? And what percentage are you talent managers? Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because... Actually, do you need somebody? I, I, do you need the mentor, the business brain in the background, giving you a kick up the arse to be the best talent managers in the world? How much of that? Where, yeah, I where, think
2: we where, kind of kick each other up the arse. Do in that yeah, respect, I think we, we've yeah. still
1: we've we still have and have, have had kind of mentors um, that are more from the, the traditional management space, or not necessarily just management, but the entertainment space that's kind of kept us quite probably level headed on on things, but. I think most people starting companies in the last couple of years in this space are entrepreneurs as much as I don't necessarily understand or believe when that actually happened for us. Uh, I think we probably are. So percentage wise, it's probably quite an even split really. So
0: you're reluctant entrepreneurs, you've been dragged yeah, kicking say... and screaming and therefore you're nicer people and that's no, why you're I better I think managers. I'd say I'm
2: 50% talent manager. 25% social media knowledge, 25% <laughs> entrepreneur is probably how I'd like yeah, to probably, put it. Yeah, probably. All right. Yeah. The, the social media is key to our business, but the stuff that we get excited about is definitely the talent management side of
0: it. So I'm still here with Mark Walker and James Hancock from Free Focus. They are talent managers of talent in the digital space and was really keen to get to grips with their understanding of their talent. But I was also really keen to ask them for their rocket fuel. The third section in these interviews is about getting actionable insights, ideas that our audience, people with an interest in youth marketing, youth culture, can take and implement into their daily working lives. So first question gentlemen what do you know about
1: young audiences well we should know pretty much everything the fact that all of the talent have young audiences we've run enough meet and greets at book signings and played photographers yeah i think one thing that i've probably taken for the last few years is don't assume you know exactly what youth audiences want or are looking for um Depending on which talent are doing certain things, we have one idea, but then there might be something else that we think this is exactly what they want, and it doesn't quite work out. Um, I mean, one takeaway I've I've come from in the last couple of years is
2: that that we put trust in our talent to know their audiences as well. So when a brand campaign's coming in, there, there have been times where me and James have gone, "Oh, this is perfect for you," and they've gone, "Well, actually, no. If I post this, I'm going to get this reaction." And we'll always then have a, a grown-up conversation with them about it and work out what's, how, how we tailor that. But um, I think one of the nice things that kind of follows on for something we discussed earlier is that the agencies we're working with now as well are trusting the talent a bit more and trusting us that if we say things up, I won't name names, but I had a um, brand campaign for one of, one of the girls the other day that came through and it involved using a filter on Instagram to promote the product. It was the product's filter and it hadn't gone live yet at that time. And they sent us the filter as a um, as an example, so she could draft the draft the content. Um, I forwarded it on to her. Said, "Come back to me with your content." And she, my phone blew up with her going, "I, I can't use this." And I was like, "What do you mean?" And I said, I, "I forwarded it on. I had it on my phone. I haven't actually downloaded and looked at the film myself." She's like, "Well." I'll get accused of being racist if I post this. So it was actually the feedback from the talent that then um, made the brand re look at something, go, Oh, hang on, yeah, maybe not necessarily racist but it had could have had connotations yeah, sure. with the the, the the way the filter then changed your face to yep. to make you look like the, the what the product was trying to push. So um yeah, the, the talent know their audiences and know... I hope,
0: like, the, the, every listener now is desperately trying to think which brand, <laughs> which yeah. filter, so I'm not going to answer that question, but I'm trying to. Yeah. Interesting. But
2: I think the, in answer to your question, the youth audience of today are so plugged in and so connected and so vocal that marketing agencies, even as, like, five, ten years ago, could almost get away with a lot more. They could push whatever message they wanted without being held to account, whereas now everyone's plugged into social media all the time for for better or for worse so obviously it has a huge impact on mental health for people as well which is another big topic in that space.
0: So that might bring me on to my next question which is what's important to young audiences and what's changed about the way young audiences behave?
1: Um, I think they want information um, about pretty much everything um, and alongside that so that's that's one side's probably more the, the deep angle but the other side is snappy fun things that they can also relate to and um, and it's probably the, the big question is what is relatable to young people um, because you see plenty of more traditional platforms and probably more traditional brands may be struggling to find that balance between what young people actually want to see from a content point
0: Um, is there anything that we should be aware of about what's next how are they about to change so do you think do you think tiktok's bringing around shorter form content or do you just think that's a place to consume shorter form content do you think is there anything in
1: attention spans getting shorter i i don't necessarily think there's a specific model for how long content needs to be which is the beauty of um all these different platforms have their own audience their own space you can put long-form content on you can do really short things you still got some of the biggest kind of like films of all time are three hours plus but you still got people engaging there so the, the time wise I don't think it really matters no I think it's more the messaging like the- you're seeing more
2: and more kind of social activism aren't you from younger younger generations whether it's about the environment or the NHS or mental health uh, they've been the big key topics this year it's almost like brexit is um it winds brexit winds them up but it's not what they're as worried about they're worried about what are the knock-on effects to to other things whereas the the older generations just seem to be are we in or are we out which is it's it kind of is is not the way the the younger generations are thinking from what i can see um and when it comes to brand side of it and marketing products and things then there's still very much the the trends are where it's at aren't they so people all kind of especially in the 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 social media space, you will see trends kind of come and go. And that's uh, keeping on top of those is is really important
0: penultimate question in this section which brands do you think get their communication right when engaging with young audiences i realize we've had some marketeers we've had some brand owners on this podcast we've also had some behavioral economists some artists so so if you didn't want to name and shame and i've not asked anybody (laughs) to name and shame a brand that isn't isn't getting it right feel free to talk about your own talent and and through the prism of how their personal brands are developing.
2: Yeah, I think that's actually more exciting for us to talk about. I mean, you'll notice the last couple of questions, there has been hesitations Mm. and pauses, and I think it's because the the marketing side of it is less exciting to us than other stuff. So with Connie Glynn, she's she's gone from being Noodle doing Disney impressions videos, through the kind of youtube cycle through to being an accomplished author with one hundred thousand book sales across the world and um next year she'll release book four in her ya fiction series so with connie we've been working really closely with her on developing the rosewood chronicles the book series beyond just being books that penguin are putting out in shops but actually into a brand where you can buy merchandise we're building a brand new website at the moment we've had um, quizzes that have engaged the audience so that side of branding is is very much thinking about what what do the fans want whether it's Connie herself actually was so good with this with the merchandise i was kind of working with a traditional merchandise company from the entertainment space and they were coming back with merch designs that had the rosewood chronicles was the tagline and connie went no 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 if i'm buying merch to do with a film i'm into or a book series i'm into i don't want just the title she said this 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 book series is set in a school so the cup shouldn't have Rosewood Chronicles on, it should say the Rosewood Library Cafe on it. And the tote bag should say that it's the um, the library. And then things like that, we've got notebooks and things that all fit with the school theme. So that was another case of Connie really knowing what her audience wanted from her brand.
0: That's mm-hmm. such a great example, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. James, what about you? Um, the brand development of any key talent or which brands when they're talking to young people are getting it wrong or so right?
1: my kind of like favourite brands, adverts, anything, is always sports companies, whether it's Nike, Adidas, Reebok, and some of my favorite adverts, for example, were Nike adverts around World Cups. And that, I think it's, they're so good because they tap into my genuine passion slash obsession of sport. And that's where I think brands, uh, well, I'd suggest it's probably slightly easier for them because they have all sports brands have big sports teams and stuff behind them so maybe their contents a little bit easier than if it's to do with I' don't, I don't know selling some washing up liquid or something yeah
2: I think we have really good success with the the, the, the girls and the guys that we look after in the fashion and beauty space because that is what their content is 24/7 so if they're working with the body shop or if they're working with a makeup brand then it's it's organic and it's natural and it fits with what they're doing I guess the the kind of collaborations we like then are, are where you're developing brand relationships with them whether it's putting out a product with the talent's name on so it's going beyond and that, that kind of then lines up more with like what i was talking about with connie with the book brand it's actually giving the talent a vested interest in it giving their fans a vested interest in it as opposed to just saying look at this great product go buy it yeah so, there's actually...
0: so final question is there one key takeaway our audience can go away with from your experience of working in this space of working in i know the the word has certain connotations not all of which certainly the three of us agree or just but either in influencer marketing or in the way that people should engage young audiences what's the one key
1: takeaway they should walk away with? um it's so probably more on a, a brand marketing side and this is more talent specific because hmm? it, it's our area but are you looking to work with an influencer or you, that just ultimately influences numbers? Or are you looking to work with a creative person who can obviously still hopefully influence and, and drive, drive people to the brand, but can they create something incredible to go along with it that you can be proud to associate with your brand? And I think knowing which one you're after is for me is quite an important thing moving forward. One of your talent is Hannah Witten,
0: um, <laughs> and I was lucky enough to meet her. I've met her a couple of times, and one of the things that she said is the reason why she hates the influencer marketing thing is because that's not what influencers do. They don't wake up one morning thinking, "Morning, who can I influence yeah, today?" Exactly, <laughs> that's yeah. not quite their uh, their beginning. Yeah, so yeah. true.
2: All happen very organically and naturally for them, especially if someone like Hannah who's been there from the kind of start of YouTube. Mm. And has been grown up with it ourselves no.
1: but that it is kind of my slight worry the way the direction the industry is going on where everything is a in some sense rightly it's all more analytical you're looking into the insights it's the data everything's this and that because i understand everyone has to justify the money being spent on it but i just worry that the human creative side is slightly being sucked out of it which kind of helped it grow at the start yeah
2: i do find it quite crazy that and i and even in the, the promoting world that i come from these conversations go on where we i've I've brought up the idea of influencer marketing for tours on a n- number of occasions and and some of the older promoters have kind of just kind of sniffed it turned their nose up at it and i've had to point out to them like you, you're so obsessed with how many how much reach are you getting and and things but you're still spending thousands of pounds in magazines that no one's actually reading anymore, yet you're not willing to take a little leap of faith into finding the right creator who's a fan of a band that can sell tickets for your shows. So there's still a lot of learning to do in a number of industries.
0: I think there is so much learning to do. Um, gentlemen thank you so much for your time thank thanks you so much for doing this um, if people wanted to do, get in touch with you where's the best place to find if you you
2: head to freefocus.co.uk there's the full roster of talent on there a bit more info about us and a contact us form as well Brilliant. and we're also on Twitter and Instagram as freefocusmgmt
0: okay great James Mark thank you very much for doing this edition of Rocket oh, thank Fuel you, sir. thanks a lot I told you there were lovely people, didn't I? That was Mark Walker and James Hancock from Free Focus. Again, just understated brilliance. They just will not show off. But they run, I mean, outside of Gleam, maybe one or two others. They're about the biggest UK digital talent agent out there. And they're so unassuming. And the relationships that they have with their talent really came to the fore. As I always say at this time, if you think that anybody... Could benefit from listening to this podcast do share it with them give us a five star rating do share the podcast and tune in next week for some more rocket fuel this is a rocket audio production